this word. So it's, again, it's Mark chapter 3, verses 22 to 30. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, you know, I promised you that as we are combing through the gospel according to Mark, and we are reading it in its entirety, we are not going to skip difficult passages. And this is a difficult passage. There, there is a, a very uh, interesting thing here, and you probably saw it, and I previewed it last week. But what the heck is the blasphemy uh, against the Holy Spirit? And why is it an unforgivable sin? It has been a a difficult question that I think uh, the church has sometimes struggled to answer. Sometimes we're just like, oh, that's interesting. I have no idea what that is. Let's just skip it, you know? And so what I want to do today is I actually want to make an attempt, make an attempt to understand it a little bit better. I can't promise you that at the end of this time, you're going to be like, oh, you know, I know for sure now what that is. You know, there's some mystery to it, you know, and just in humility, I just want to admit to you, I'm a finite, limited human being. I don't know everything, right? But God has given me some insights that I want to share with you that might shed some light on it. But more important than just clearing up a controversy, just an intellectual thing, I want us to understand what the Holy Spirit is, because it is a a difficult thing to understand about, you know, what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Uh, But also, what do we really do with the Holy Spirit? I think that is an area of Christianity that, for me at least, growing up in the church, has always been a bit of a question mark. You know, probably the, the, the part that I have the most difficulty understanding, right? When you just think about the Trinity, right? You got Father, right? Now, he's a heavenly Father. He's not an earthly Father. But I kind of know what that looks like because I have an earthly Father, Right? Uh, The Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I am a son. (laughs) I kind of know what sons are like, right? I can kind of understand that. But what do you do with the Holy Spirit? You know, and and, kind of the old-timey language for Holy Spirit was Holy Ghost. When I hear that, I just think, right? Like, it's like spooky, like Halloween stuff, right? What do you do with that? You know, but friends, I I do want us to understand the Holy Spirit because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is something vital to us really being able to live the way that God wants us to live. And understanding the Holy Spirit, I think, is key to us understanding the Gospels. And so um, there's kind of an overarching question. Uh, We mentioned this last week, um, that maybe this has been bothering you too. Because we've been reading through the Gospel of Mark, and what have we seen so far? What what has marked uh, Jesus' ministry more than anything else, right? We see that he's been preaching, right? And all we know for the most part, I mean, we've started to get more of his preaching, um, but it's been about the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God is available to you. It is at hand. But really, the bulk of what Jesus has done so far in the gospel of Mark is what? Heal people, right? Heal people of illnesses, you know, uh, if, if somebody is, is lame and can't walk or somebody, um, you know, has a shriveled hand or somebody uh, is blind, uh, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, someone is sick, you know, he physically heals them. And then the other part has been uh, casting out unclean spirits, right? Demons, things like that, right? 
And so as we read this and as we think that we are called, as we said, to be followers of Jesus Christ, that we are supposed to do as Jesus does, that's what it means to be his disciple. You're going to learn to be like Jesus, right? And we talked about that last week. That maybe the natural question is, how come we don't see the church or the disciples of Jesus Christ really do what Jesus did? You know, isn't there a bit of a disconnect between what Jesus did and what we do? I mean, how often have you seen someone actually get physically healed? How often have you seen a, a, like a, a demon possession and a, a, seen that demon cast out, right? We don't really see that. And we mentioned that, you know, maybe there is something about sort of mental illness, uh, the way we understand that and the way they understood unclean spirits back then, that maybe there's an overlap there. We, we, we see that sometimes uh, the unclean spirits would uh, cause seizures amongst people, you know, and we understand that in a different way. We're like, oh, you know, there's, there's something neurological going on, some kind of disorder that we don't understand, right? Is that all that it is, is that we just have different vocabulary? Or is there a fundamental difference in the way that we live as Christ followers today and the way that Christ followers live when Jesus was actually there, right? And so this, this past weekend, you know, we've had this Ann Arbor revival. We're hanging out with people from other churches and uh, I was talking to Pastor David Sung, who's at Ann Arbor Hope Church. And, um, you know, it, it was very interesting because he didn't know I was preaching this message. Um, but uh, the, the speaker at the revival had asked us to just share, what are we passionate about? And Pastor David shared uh, something that I thought was very interesting. Because Pastor David, uh, his heart is, um, has been really into missions that he's, uh, I think, been on like over 40 missions throughout his life. And one of the things that he noticed is that on the mission field, he's actually seen this sort of thing. He's actually seen, you know, people being healed and uh, like, like demons being driven out, you know? And then he comes back to America and he doesn't see it. And he's like, what in the world? There's a disconnect. You know, and so he actually went back to school to study the Holy Spirit, to try to understand why don't we see the Holy Spirit manifesting here in America as much? And that has been a little bit of my experience too. I just want to share with you just a couple stories of um, on the mission field. Um, so in 2005, uh, our church went to Uganda and Kenya on a medical mission trip. <laughs> And I thought that the majority of what we were going to do was uh, the medical missions. Um, although I knew we were going to do some children's ministry, I had no idea what we were in store for. Uh, and when I got there, um, one of the first nights, uh, the first night that we were going to be involved in this worship service, um, the missionary turned to me on the way to the church. And it was like maybe like a 30-minute drive to the church. And she turns to me and she's like, hey, uh, um, Pastor Steve, you're going to preach tonight. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that I was supposed to preach. I hadn't prepared anything, right? And, and I was like, just like, oh, like, like, I didn't prepare anything. I didn't know that I was supposed to preach. And she's like, well, you're a pastor, right? I mean, you, you always have something to preach, right? You know, and I was like, okay, all right. All right, so, so the whole bus ride, I'm just like, you know, just thinking about like, what am I going to preach? And I started cobbling together you know, I, like, like, you know, the, the, I, just, just a confession as a pastor. I started cobbling together, like, the greatest hits, right? You know, like, the best of album. You know, just take, like, this story from here, this point from here. Oh, this is going to be great, right? And by the time I got to the church, I started to get, like, kind of hyped for it. You know, I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. Um, and we had prepared, like, all these skits. And I was like, oh, man, there's this skit that we prepared that it, it was, like, beautiful. We used, like, this, the, the, like, this, uh, movie music that was like really moving and it was like like sort of a, a, a like a five act mega skit that just like you know when I watch it like even to this day I like cry like moves my heart I was like oh man this is gonna be great best of sermon and best of skit this is gonna be great and we got to the church and one of the uh, mission members was like Pastor, Pastor Steve we, we can't find the music for the skit like, what do you mean he can't find the music for the skit? Like, yeah, I, it's, I, I don't think we can do that skit tonight. So we had, like, a plan B skit. It was, like, not as cool. It just was really not as cool. 
It was like a quarter of the length, just one act. And really all it was, was it was called the chain skit. Like we bought these chains uh, <laughs> at Home Depot and we cut them and we put these chains around people. It was really interesting, by the way, to try to get through airport security with like a bunch of chains in my bag. They're like, what is this? What is this for? Like, oh, it's like the skit. It's like a Christian thing. They're like, all right, because they were like heavy chains, right? But anyways, we had people with chains around their necks and each of them had like a different sin that they struggled with. You know, there was like the alcoholic, there was like, you know, the person who was suicidal, um, the person who was like heartbroken, depressed, all these different things. And then Jesus, one by one, would just take off the chain, right? And that was it. That was really just the whole skit, right? It's like, this skit is not as cool, but okay, whatever. I still have the best of sermon, right? This is going to be great. And so I'm walking up there to preach. And as I'm walking up, literally, I just feel that Jesus is telling me, change the sermon. And I'm like walking up and I'm like, what? <laughs> I barely had any time to prepare. This is pretty, this, it's a pretty good sermon. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, no. Prodigal son. Just preach on the prodigal son. I'm like, why? <laughs> but, you know, I was like, okay, okay. So I just get up there. And fortunately, um, th- there was like a, a, a pastor there, an African pastor who was translating for me. And so I would just like literally just kind of like waiting for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I would say something and then he would translate it into Swahili. And then that would give me some more time to let God speak, right? So, so I preached something, right? It was like about the, the, the prodigal son. We did the chain skit, right? And, um, you know, I was just speaking like rhetorically. You know how people say rhetorically like, hey, if you want to accept Jesus into your life, if you want to. I'm not saying do it right now, but if you want to. And as I was just speaking rhetorically, these four men walked to the front. And I'm like, what is going on? Why are they walking to the front? Is this part of the service I didn't know about? And these four men walk up. And they were a little like wobbly. I didn't know what was going on. And then, you know, the, the pastor started saying something to them. And I found out that he was asking them, why are you here? Right? And so then he was translating to me. This was happening in real time. He was translating in English as he's speaking to these guys in Swahili. And he's like, these four men, um, they had been drinking. And they were just walking around. They didn't go to the church. They were just walking around outside. And they heard the music. And they came in and they saw the chain skit. And they saw, you know, the oppression. A person with a chain around their neck with alcohol. And then they stayed and they heard the sermon about the prodigal son. And then when I told them, hey, if you want to accept Jesus, they're like, yeah. And they came up. These four men just walked up. And then the whole church, they just sprung out of their seats. They surrounded these men and they just started praying for them right then and there. I was like, what in the world is going on? All my best laid plans just poof. And that's actually one of the things that David Sung was telling me. It's part of the reason why he brings people on missions. He's like, you know what? Like, what are you going to do in a week, you know, on a mission, right? I mean, yes, it is for the people there. But a lot of it is for us to see kingdom reality. And one of the ways you're going to see kingdom reality is when you are stripped of your resources, right? All the things that you're used to leaning on. Francis Chan has this way, um, he he wrote this book uh, called Forgotten God, about the Holy Spirit. And sort of the overarching question of that book is, what do we need the Holy Spirit for? What do we need the Holy Spirit for? Because there is a lot that we do in churches that you actually don't need the Holy Spirit, right? Just think about a typical Sunday, a typical church, right? You got beautiful music that's been expertly prepared by some gifted individuals, right? You know, you have a message that, that's funny, it's got stories in it, you know, and maybe it, it's got like a logical flow that's going to sort of touch certain points in your life. What do we need the Holy Spirit for? Could we do all of that without the Holy Spirit? And part of Francis Chan's point is maybe we don't see the Holy Spirit move because we don't really need the Holy Spirit. We haven't invited the Holy Spirit. We haven't created room for the Holy Spirit because we feel like we can do it all by ourselves. We're capable. You know, and so I saw firsthand 
the Holy Spirit move in ways that I had never seen before. And for me, you know, I, I want to know that. I want to see the Holy Spirit move. You know, I, I'm not one, just to let you know, for, for those of you who, who haven't been a part of LGM or you don't know my background, I grew up in a United Methodist Church. LGM is a United Methodist Church, um, by the way. Uh, we, in the United Methodist Church, I got to tell you, we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. It's not really emphasized. We, we are very, very uncomfortable around the so-called charismatic churches where people are speaking you know, in tongues and they're rolling around on the ground. We're like, oh my gosh, that is just weird, right? I don't know what to do with that. So I want to assure you, friends, that you know, it's not that I have this agenda or I want to see a certain kind of expression of the Holy Spirit, but it's just a general question. Do we actually see the Holy Spirit move in power the way it did in Jesus' time. And is there a reason for that? That perhaps we can start to allow for the Holy Spirit more in our lives. Right? Because when I've seen the Holy Spirit move in certain ways, it doesn't just have to be on the mission field, right? I, I just know that it makes a difference. I know that it jacks up people's lives for the better. You know? Just one last quick story when I was in Africa. Um, so this is a couple days later. We're at a medical clinic, and I'm in medical clinic mode. And I'm just there, and I just feel worthless. Actually, my job there was to meet the children and bring them over to the children's ministry, right? But I'm, I, I'm feeling kind of worthless because like, there's like nurses and doctors there. I'm like, yeah, this is their show, right? And I'll just take the kids, and we'll, we'll go you know, teach them a Bible lesson. And one of the doctors comes up to me, and there were so many people there. She just like really quickly, she was just like super busy, but she was like, uh, Pastor Steve, I have no idea what's wrong with this guy. Pray for him. I, something's going on, but I got to go, right? And he's like, what? And this dude just kind of looks at me, and his eyes were like cloudy. They were like unfocused. And he just like had this like dead stare. He's like, what is going on? And so I brought like one of the, the African pastors over, and so he translated. And the guy, like the way he talked, he just kind of mumbled, just kind of, oh, yeah. I don't know how to speak Swahili. He said, said something, right? And as he was speaking, it was so low, the pastor had to ask him to repeat what he was saying several times. And the pastor was like, I'm, I'm not getting everything, but I think what he's saying is that there's been a darkness over his life. There's a darkness in his mind. And I'm thinking, is this medical illness? You know, is this some sort of like mental illness? Um, you know, what is going on? You know, I'm like, okay, let's just pray for him. Let's just pray. And again, friends, I'm not somebody who has really had a lot of prophetic gifts in my life. There's every now and then, God will give me an image. And as I was praying for this man, um, you know, and I'm like, like seriously like panicking. I'm like, what do I pray for? And so I'm just kind of trusting God. Like, God, give me something because I don't know what to pray for this man. And as I'm praying for him, I got this image of the man preaching. I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And so I'm preaching, and I'm pre- praying against whatever darkness is in his life. And I said, God, you are showing me a, an image of this man speaking the word of God, speaking it boldly. So I pray for the man, and he just kind of looks up and says, thank you. I'm like, oh, okay. And that was it, right? And then, like, we got busy. I had to go take care of the kids, right? And later that day, um, they had like this testimony time. People were getting up and singing and just, you know, they're just proclaiming the goodness of God. And that man that I prayed for sprung up. He runs up there. His eyes are crystal clear. And he just starts preaching. And what he starts preaching is he says that he was an evangelist for God. But a few years back, something had happened. I don't know what it was. Some darkness came over him. And he wasn't able to preach anymore. Until that moment, and he was preaching crystal clear the gospel. What in the world? What is that? But friends, I got to tell you, it was cool. (laughs) It was cool. It was incredible. Friends, what can the Holy Spirit do here if we create that room? I just want to go into the story because 
I think that there is a lot here that can help us to understand how the Holy Spirit can be more active in our world today. I believe that, friends. Do you believe that? That the Holy Spirit can be more active in our lives? Do you want that? Well, I hope you do. (laughs) But let's go into the passage together. So verse 22, and the scribes, so these are the religious elite, right? The religious uh, experts who they came down from Jerusalem and they were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons, right? Because Jesus had been driving out unclean spirits, as we said. So their theory was that Jesus must be uh, demonic himself. And it is by that spirit that he's able to be like, okay, buddies, why don't you, you know, leave, right? And so they're like, okay, so we know that there's something wrong with Jesus because we don't like his teaching. So it must be that he himself is demonic. And so, friends, uh, he starts talking about the nature of kingdom. And so he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. If, and if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Remember what we said what Jesus' ministry is about. It's about bringing the kingdom of God here. The kingdom reign. And we've said this several times throughout this, this uh, sermon series, that Jesus did not come to just be an accessory to your life. Just have some nice teachings that make you feel better that you just tack on to your life. But Jesus has come to establish a new kingdom. And what does that mean? That means that he has come to overthrow kingdoms, right? And so that is what it means for him to cast out the evil spirits, is that he is trying to bring Satan's kingdom to an end, right? So he's like, yo, just think about this logically. Satan is here and he's plaguing people, jacking up their lives, right? Just causing them all kinds of misery. There's people who they can't function in ordinary life because of what Satan is doing to them. You know, some of these people, they convulse and they fall on the ground and their families are just helpless. They're like, oh my gosh, can you help him? And Jesus helps them, right? He casts out those demons. So he's like, whose work do you think that is? Do you think that's Satan's work? Why would Satan cast out Satan? Why would Satan stop the work of Satan? This is a different kingdom, right? If Satan was divided against himself, his kingdom would not be able to stand. But I am coming to make it clear that I want to establish a new kingdom. So kingdoms, so Satan's kingdom cannot stand where God's kingdom is being established. That's why he drives out Satan, right? Satan, you have no claim here, right? You have no authority here. And boom, get out, right? So that Jesus can come and reign in every life, in every heart. It's interesting because I want us to just file that away, that idea of a kingdom that is divided against itself, that that cannot stand. And I wonder, as we start thinking about the kingdom of God and how that can be established, and the way it's going to be established is by the reign of God, right? God's rule over your life. And that is going to come by what? Guess what? Guess what? It's the title of the sermon. It's what we've been talking about. That's going to come by the Holy Spirit, right? And so for God to fully reign in us, we can't be divided. I think that a lot of us, we are divided. You know, there's a part of us that wants the rule of God. There's a part of us that doesn't, right? And so some of us were like, Pastor Steve, you know, Jesus forgives us. Why do we have to be holy? Why, why do we have to live for him? Can't I just have a little for myself? Can't I just have my sin here on the side or the things I enjoy or the things I want and serve God at the same time? But here it tells us that a kingdom divided against itself, living two different ways under two different authorities, that cannot stand. It is not tenable. Remember where it says, where where Jesus uh, talks about money. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. You're going to love one and hate the other, right? 
Money can't be your Lord that you serve, the almighty dollar, greed, just trying to, to, to get that at all costs and say that Jesus is your Lord. It is not possible. Your kingdom is divided against itself and it will fall apart, right? And so then he goes on to say, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. So what is the work of God's kingdom? What is the work of the Holy Spirit? It is to bind the strong man, to bind the spirits of this world that are leading you to destruction. There's some people that they would get cast on the ground and they would hurt themselves, right? They'd be ostracized from their communities and they would physically uh, be racked with all kinds of pain and difficulty. And Jesus comes and he casts out those spirits right? He is bringing new life to these people. It is a joyous thing. Have you ever had, you know, um, I know we've mentioned a little bit that there can be different spirits of this world. Because what is a spirit, friends? You know, that's part of what we want to understand in the Gospel of Mark and what we need to understand in, in our lives. If we want more of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, We need to fundamentally understand what spirit is. We mentioned this when we were talking about Jesus' baptism. You remember that? Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus and confirms his identity. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And immediately something happens. What does the spirit do in Jesus' life? It leads him. Leads him where? Out into the wilderness where he is tested by Satan. You remember that? Right? So, and, and then what is the Holy Spirit doing when Jesus is praying for these people with unclean spirits? What is it doing? It is commanding the unclean spirits to leave. Get out. Get out. You have no authority here. So what does a spirit fundamentally do? A spirit leads. Remember I mentioned that when we talk about someone is spirited, what are we saying? We're saying they're willful right? Someone who's spirited is hard to lead. They lead themselves, right? Because they have a lot of spirit within them, right? Do you ever get school spirit? You ever see someone with school spirit? Woo! All right! Let's go Spartans! Let's go Wolverines! Let's go Riverettes! Ann Arbor High Schools have the weirdest mascots, by the way. (laughs) Pioneer Pioneers. that's, That's just awesome. Yeah. It's like so original, right? But, you know, let's go, pioneers, right? And you see this person, and they're making a fool out of themselves. Why? They have school spirit. I don't care. I don't care what, what, what you think about me. I'm going to, you know, wear face paint and wear the school colors and dress up all goofy and just act like a crazy person. Woo! Why? It's a spirit that's coming o- come over me, right? Spirits lead, friends. Spirits lead. And we all have a spirit. Um, So in the Bible, when it talks about the heart, the will, and the spirit, it's pretty much the same thing. Heart, will, and spirit. It is the part of your life that leads you, right? Where you decide, hey, this is what I want to do in my life, right? I'm going to go over here. I'm going to pick this kind of career. I'm going to pick this wife, right? Or pick this husband, right? It is your decision-making faculty, the thing that leads you, right? So then the Holy Spirit is coming, and the Holy Spirit leads and guides Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit leads and guides uh, and drives out uh, the spirits that are not of God. And for the Holy Spirit to come into your life, what does it need to do? What does it need to do? It needs to lead. It needs to lead. If you want the Holy Spirit in your life, it must be your leader, right? It must lead you. And so here we see, uh, it's starting to, uh, Jesus talking about that very difficult teaching about blasphemy, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So he says, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against 
The Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. For us to understand this a little bit more, what kind of spirit is Jesus' spirit? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's the spirit of God and the spirit of Jesus, right? Um, but what kind of spirit is that? It's holy. What does holy mean? I think uh, that song that we sang uh, at the beginning, Build My Life, has a good definition of holy, right? Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. We'll stop there. <laughs> holy, there is no one like you. Holy, comma, and then the definition is coming. There is no one like you. There is no spirit like Jesus' spirit, right? It's superior, greater, better. I was going to say more gooder, <laughs> and that's not right. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> it is good. It's a good spirit. It's a powerful spirit, right? And the holiness of God is to say that there is no one like our God, so there is no one like his spirit, right? To think that our spirit and God's spirit are on the same level is wrong. And what does it mean then to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? So this is uh, just a little uh, definition of uh, blasphemy um, with a gif from Stephen A. Smith. That is blasphemous. That is blasphemous. That is blasphemy. We just see that on blast just over and over. Um, Blasphemy is the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God, right? So if you are to um, not just say something untrue about God, but actually insult God, say something that's untrue in a way that is so contrary to the very nature of God, you are disrespecting, you are being irreverent. If God is holy, you are making him profane. That's what blasphemy is about, right? So you are declaring something that is good and you're saying it's bad. So what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in this passage? Let's just go back real quick, right? Remember, from the very beginning, they said he is possessed by Beelzebul, by the devil. Jesus is possessed by the devil and by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons, And so then at the very end, when it says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Um, For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. So what is the blasphemy in this context? They are calling the Holy Spirit, the spirit that is above any other spirit, they are calling it unclean. They're saying this thing that is supposed to be good we consider to be evil and bad and demonic. And friends, by the way, um, you know, there, there's the part that we usually focus on, right? And we focus on the part that, you know, where he says, whoever does this never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. And so this passage is known for kind of uh, 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 laying out there the one sin that can't be forgiven. But I also want to note that right before that, Jesus is very clear. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man. All sins will be forgiven. And whatever blasphemies they utter, except this, right? 99.9999%, right? So much sin, so much sin, all your sin will be forgiven. Right? And that is part of the gospel. That is part of the good news. Right? That God does forgive you. He does love you. Even when you jack up your life. Even when you make mistakes. Even when you turn away from him. He will forgive you. But this thing will not be forgiven. Why? Why? Well, friends, remember. If we are to become the people that God wants us to be. What do we need? What is going to really make it happen? What is going to bring us life? It's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you were to consider God's Holy Spirit to be evil, right? How in the world could that spirit ever work in your life? Right? So is it that God is punishing you? Saying like, oh, you said something bad about the Holy Spirit, right? You hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. You called it a bad name. I can't forgive that. 
You know, is that God like standing up for bullies against the Holy Spirit? Or could it be just the reality, right? You cannot be forgiven because what is able to forgive you? It's the Spirit of God. And if you can't recognize that that Spirit is good, that that Spirit is of God, how can you possibly ever be forgiven, right? Friends, if we understand what the Holy Spirit's ministry is about, then maybe we can start to understand why calling it evil, calling it demonic, would be something that Jesus cannot stand for, that God cannot stand for. You know, one, because then there is no way for God to work in your life. But also in this sense of we are so far from the mark of what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be, right? Because the Holy Spirit is meant to lead. That means we must get out of the way. We must be humble. We must let him be the leader. And to stand in judgment of the Holy Spirit and say you are evil is the exact opposite of that, right? So friends, um, you know, does that explain everything? Does that solve the mystery completely? I'm not sure that it does, but let's just say that <laughs> I, I want to assure you, um, this is probably pretty rare, right? It's probably pretty, pretty rare. I, I don't think there's many of us who are going around really believing in your heart that the Holy Spirit is demonic, right? The Holy Spirit is of the devil, you know? But friends, I think what this is helpful for me is to say that if that is the extreme, you never want to get even close to that, right? You never want to get close to having that kind of disrespect for the Holy Spirit, you know? And maybe some of us, maybe we don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit to that extent where it can't be forgiven, you know, but maybe some of us, we do disrespect the Holy Spirit, that we don't really allow it to be fully holy the way it's meant to be, you know? And so when I was talking to uh, David Sung, you know, he was saying that um, we, we just, we serve different gods here in America, you know? And part of the problem with um, our modern Christianity, um, and this is part of the reason why I want to teach you the Gospel of Mark in this way, to actually go from the beginning and to show you Jesus did not come to just teach you about forgiveness. His life in you is what forgives you, but you must have his life in you. And to have his life in you is the life of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way it can happen, friends, right? But I think that a lot of modern constructs of the Gospel have made it so that you can still serve the gods of this world, the gods of money, the gods of individualism, the gods of comfort. That goes unchallenged. And you think, I have a little slice of forgiveness on the side, right? Makes me feel better. Oh, I get to go to heaven after I die, but there's no impact on your life today. Friends, if we believe that, and if the churches wholesale have bought into that that untruth, that you actually don't need to follow God, you don't need to obey him, his Holy Spirit doesn't need to lead you, you get to be in charge, you get to call the shots, right? Oh, but by the way, God gets to serve you in this way by forgiving you. Then friends, I think it starts to make sense that maybe we wouldn't see the Holy Spirit moving as much because guess what? Our spirit is still fully in charge. So friends, for me, one of the things that I've been realizing more and more is that, yes, you know, the Holy Spirit can do these amazing things. You know, the Holy Spirit can change the hearts of people. The Holy Spirit can drive out unclean spirits. The Holy Spirit can heal and restore all things. But I realize that there is a lot in my will that has still gone unchecked as a Christian, Right? So for instance, when I get offended by somebody, you know, if somebody um, disrespects me, you know, I, I've been sharing a lot about my, my adventures with road rage. <laughs> and when somebody disrespects me, it goes back to when I was a kid, you know, and being this shrimpy little Asian kid um, in a school where everyone towered over me. And I got made fun of. You know, I got taunted, I got bullied. 
I get disregarded. And it's a wound that I've carried in my life. My spirit has formed based on that. So my spirit and will is this. You will not disrespect me. Oh no, you will not disrespect me. You will consider me. So I'm in, I'm in the grocery store and somebody doesn't pay attention to me. So they bump into me, right? I used to have this problem. Like, like this, this is a less Christian form of Steve, but when I was in, uh, when I was in college, uh, on occasion, I went to the club, right? I, like I went to clubs. And this is one of the things I noticed is when I'm in a club, like with a bunch of people, and not that this happens anymore, but back in the day, right? I'd be in a club with a bunch of people and we're just dancing and whatever, right? And there's a whole sea of people. For whatever reason, every single person has to walk through me. You know, I, I'm serious. Like I'm sitting there and just trying to have a good time. And then people are like, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. I'm mm, mm, mm. like, what the heck, right? And I got to tell you, man, I started, like my spirit started acting up. You will not disrespect me. So, so there's this one time, this guy who was like super drunk and he just kept bumping into me. And so I just shoved him hard just hard, just boom, right? I mean, I just, my spirit, man, you will not disrespect me. Boom. And the guy just like pinballed into a crowd of girls and just boom, like drinks were spilled. And this guy comes up and he's like, I, I was like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, like if, if I have to stand up for myself, I'm going to pop this guy in the face. I'm ready. Luckily, he was a little tipsy. And he was a happy drunk. So he comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. And just gives me a big hug. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> and then we started dancing together. It was all good. But... <laughs> Friends, what is that? What is that within me that cannot take that disrespect? Does that ever happen to you in your anger? Lust? In your greed? In your loneliness? Is there ever a spirit that takes over you and you cannot help it? You cannot help it, right? Like, like people who, I mean, let's say that had escalated and I punched the guy and I ended up in jail for the night because I assaulted a dude, right? Like, what? Steve, why are you in jail? Uh, because he disrespected me. <laughs> like, was that worth it? Like, absolutely not. You know, if I had to tell my parents, like, Steve, why, 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 why did this happen? No, why did you do that? You know, have you ever done something like that? Where you, man, a spirit takes over you and you cannot control it. You cannot stop it. I, I've talked to a lot of folks here and one of the things I've noticed in Ann Arbor is there's a real spirit of anxiety and fear. Have you noticed this? When you go to the library, for those of you guys who go to the libraries, you can feel it in the air, that anxiety and fear. You know, maybe some of you, you know, you think like, oh, God is in control. Whatever happens, you know, I'm going to trust in the Lord. And then you walk into that library and you see all your friends and all your fellow classmates. And they're all, ah. And then you're just like, hey, maybe I should be like that too. Maybe I should be worried. Why am I so chill? I shouldn't be so chill. And before you know it, there's a spirit that grips you, a spirit of fear, a spirit of anxiety, and you cannot help it. Friends, I got to tell you, my will, my spirit is not strong enough to overcome that. It is yours? Because just try sometime. Anytime that spirit comes over you, just try to overcome it by your will. See if your spirit is strong enough. And I got to tell you, for me, it is not. When I get disrespected in that moment, in the heat of the moment, when somebody really disrespects me, maybe someone comes up to me and they call me a racial slur to my face. And that recalls when I was in middle school and people used to do that to me. And there was these guys who were much bigger than me, so I just swallowed it. But I just burned with that anger. And when I got in high school and people started, kept calling me those slurs, man, I did not stand for that. You will not disrespect me. So even to this day, you know, if I hear someone you know, yell something out a window, right, what happens? Automatically, my anger just, boom, right? There is something in my spirit that has not fully submitted to God's spirit. It's not something to make you feel bad. It's just the reality, right? So friends, what do I need more and more? I need the Holy Spirit to lead. 
And what does that mean for my spirit? It can't be in charge. Nor can these other spirits, the spirit of the world, the spirit of anxiety, the spirit of fear, the spirit of anger, the spirit of disrespect, the spirit of discontent. All of these things, we'll get more into what the gods of this world are and what those spirits are next week when we talk about the parable of the sower and the seed. And you'll see this. It will go into a lot more detail about what those spirits look like, friends. But I want to suffice to say for you to at least identify and be honest. Because I think in the church, we can hear the Holy Spirit, and there's not a single person in the church that would be like, oh, Holy Spirit is bad and demonic. We would never go that far. But do we disrespect and disregard the Holy Spirit because we're like, hey, you know what? This is just me. This is just who I am. I get angry. I get stressed out. I get lonely. I get lustful. I get greedy. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I think that the conviction that comes through the Gospels to say, we are not led by the Spirit of God. Because if we were led by the Spirit of God, we would walk in that Spirit. We would be different. We would be like Jesus. What did Jesus do when people disrespected him? Jesus did not do like Pastor Steve, right? He didn't shove them as hard as he could. He didn't call them names back. He didn't need to defend himself. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. So friends, I think that what we need to do is find ways to start isolating those spirits. One of the things that I found is in prayer, friends. In prayer, don't just pray out of your own spirit, right? Which is just whatever you want to pray. I'm not saying that's always bad. But I'm saying create room for the Holy Spirit. In a very practical way, one of the ways you can do this is just be still and silent before God. Just be still. Don't move. Don't act. And you will, friends, automatically see your spirit act up. When you just sit still, man, your spirit will go into overdrive. I've seen it. It's happened to me. I've been trying to practice over the last couple of years, just being still before God, doing it 30 minutes a day. And, and I got to tell you, the first full three months, every time I sat still before God, my spirit got agitated. What am I doing here? This is a waste of time. I need to go, go, go. Oh my gosh, I'm falling behind. Oh my gosh, what am I, th- this is just a, a waste of time. Th- this is just not good. And I had to learn to be there and to say, Man, there is something within my spirit that is not good. Lord, come take your place in my life. Because I am not in full control of my body, of my emotions, my life. And that was, I mean, I'm still learning that, by the way, friends. I'm not fully in control of my life. I'm not. When we let God's spirit lead, We have peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We see God leading us to incredible acts of love. We see the world changing in supernatural ways because it is God's spirit if we can let him fully lead. So friends, um, let's just start practicing creating that room for God. Um, Like I said, we'll get into more detail about the different spirits that are going on in the world. But friends, maybe during this time, you have started to be convicted, as I have, to just simply acknowledge that I am not in full control of my life. I'm not. God's Holy Spirit is not in full control of my life. Can you admit that? I think that's a great first step. Praise team, can you guys come up? And what I simply want you to do is not by force of will, like, "Mm, I'm going to be a better person. That's your will, friends. Your will is not going to take you that far. It's just not that strong. But God's Holy Spirit is holy. There is nothing like it. There is no one like it. And it is able to do what you cannot do. So, friends, instead of just forcefully trying to 
take control of our lives, can we simply create room? Can we create room for God's Holy Spirit? And you can do that through humility. You can do that through repentance. You can do that through stillness. You can do that through humility. You can do that through repentance. You can do that through stillness. Friends, can we just do those three things right now? And the humility and repentance might come together. Because the thought that I'm all that and I don't need God comes out of a misunderstanding of who we are and what is going on in our lives. We might think our spirit is stronger than it really is. Can you just confess in humility? God, I'm not that good. And friends, remember, God will forgive all sins of the children of man. All the sins. He loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross to take away your shame. You don't need to be ashamed. He accepts you. Remember, he was hanging out with the tax collectors and, and, and the sinners, the prostitutes, the worst of the worst in his society, saying, I want to be with you. So he's here with you, friends. Rest assured. But he wants to go farther than that. He wants his Holy Spirit to live within you. That might take some time, friends. But can we first recognize that that is not happening? Can we confess that that is not happening? Can we confess that we are still the ones in control of our lives? It's not always leading to the best kind of life. To the Jesus kind of life. And then can we declare to God, our desire for him to lead. Can you make that room in your life? Maybe you just want to be still for a moment. Just be still and just pray, uh, just very simply, Holy Spirit, come have your way in me. Holy Spirit, come have your way in me. Holy Spirit, I want to create this room for you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I need you. I cannot live this life without you. My life is shipwrecked without you. My emotions, my characters, they are not in line with you. Lord, I repent of all the ways that have become stubborn and prideful of my character that has been misformed by my own spirit. I've thought that this is just my personality. Hey, take it or leave. It's just the way I am. God does accept us. He does love us, but He does not want to leave you the way you are. The Holy Spirit can come and change all that. The Holy Spirit can cleanse and restore. God, we desire that for our lives. For each and every one of us, God, no matter where we are in life, God, we need your Holy Spirit. So God, we create that room for you. Spirit come. Have your way in.